0: Seth Gruber is the CEO and founder of the White Rose Resistance. He's also the host of the popular podcast, Unaborted, and an outspoken pro-life advocate. Seth is joining me today to talk about the condition of the church and where we should be in the culture today. This is going to be a very frank conversation. If you've got little ones, you might want to have them tune in for a different show because we're not going to be pulling any punches. This is Seth's style, and I think he is a voice that needs to be heard. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, Seth Gruber, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, Heidi. Good to be with, good to hang out with you, you domestic terrorist, uh, ultra-mega mommy or something like that. What are they calling us now? Yeah, I don't know.
0: some... Something, something like that. Although I just did a show yeah, yesterday, actually, about how I'm I'm starting to get pretty frustrated with people that are so hardcore devoted to one candidate that they can't see the forest through the trees and they're willing to, you know, they're willing to ruin their friendships over it. They're willing to, you know, be basically, uh, you know, wow. uh, un- unkind in their own community. Yep. Uh, We got to we got to do better than this. I'm 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 all about, at least in politics, a return to statesmanship. I think we can tell the truth and still be kind. Do you think so?
1: Is it possible? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, define kind. Was it was it kind of Elijah (laughs) to walk up to the prophets of Baal and after after Baal didn't rain down fire from heaven and say, uh, so prophets of Baal. uh, Where's Bayall? Uh, is he constipated? Is he on? Is he on the pooper? Does he have some tummy trouble? Um, I mean, define kind, right? If if it's if it's Russell Moore's definition of kind. well,
0: I mean, you're talking about you're talking about Bayall. I mean, you're 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 talking about bail. You're you're talking about you know the uh, the murder of innocent babies. You're talking. I'm just talking about you know. Let's say that there's somebody running for Congress yeah. and you don't like him, and so now now do you get now do you get to be a jerk? You know, now do you get to be like, oh, hey, you know, uh, that's my guy and that's your guy. That's what I'm talking about. I feel like the Republican Party in a lot of ways has descended yeah, totally. into tribalism. And I don't like it. There's a time yep. for tribalism. I mean, there absolutely is. When you're, you know, you and I are obviously going to talk about abortion and the continuing murder of our unborn and the continuing yep. apathy in the church and in many Christian leaders today. And we can even, you know, jump into the social yep. justice waters. But I believe that. We hmm. we are still called as as men and women of God. That's right. Uh, to behave in a manner yep, that's worthy yep. of the gospel. Yep.
1: He, right. For, and for so the, uh,
0: we don't do burning need to, coals need on their heads. Uh,
1: you know. And uh, I we're we're living in wild times, Heidi, and this is why I'm so grateful for for voices like yours. Um, I almost said women like you, but you know I didn't want to assume your uh, your gender identity there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, mothers well. and women like you, because um, we I believe. And I'm starting to say this more and more publicly, actually. I believe that we are almost past um, a Rubicon line. Um, for people who don't know what that means, yeah. it means the point yeah, of I no return. Too. Now, listen, we we win in the end, guys. Okay, we've read the end of the book. Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm saying, what kind of country are you going to hand to your children and grandchildren? Um, and furthermore, um, mm-hmm. w- what, what are you going to hear from your savior um, after the words, well done? my good and faithful servant. What's going to be your story at the marriage supper of the Lamb? What, what do I mean by this? Um, in, in the Bible, in Genesis, Heidi, it says that Lot was a righteous man. Um, and for you guys uh, listening, go back and read Lot's story. He's actually called a righteous man. And Heidi's smiling because she, she, she knows where Which I'm going. Which is interesting
0: because he's, and, and he so wasn't when the, a righteous when the man.
1: the angels come to Torch San Francisco, uh, Sodom, 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 gosh dang it, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sorry, Fro- Freudian slip. It's when you say one thing, but mean your mother. Um, and, and so lots at the city gates, remember, Heidi? So he's the Christian influencer of his day, right? He's the Stephen Furtick, right? Like Russell Moore, editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, blue checkmark. Right, like He, he, he has mm. political sway over the legislation and leaders of the day. You don't put a man at the city gates to welcome every foreigner into your land unless he's a respectable individual who holds sway over the, over the city. And so he takes the, the angels to his home, right? And then it says, men from all parts of the city. So from every part of culture <laughs> comes down descending onto that one righteous man's house. That one righteous man's house. Now, listen, Lot believed the truth. Lot sometimes even, Heidi, sometimes he even spoke the truth. Sometimes he even critiqued the spirit of the age and his acolytes, the culture of death, but only to a certain extent. So when the mob comes to his front porch and they say, Lot, bring those men out that we might have sex with them. But they weren't men, they were angels. And Lot walks out on his French porch. And what does he say? Brothers and sisters. (laughs) So he tries to relate to the sexualized mob (laughs) that wants to bang angels. It's like, it's like, Russell Moore. I mean, Lot. Shoot. Sorry. Lot. They're not your brothers and sisters. Okay. (laughs) Stop trying to get crumbs from the table of humanism so you can keep your 501c3 status and find your place at the table. Okay. Throw away your idol of cultural respectability and start asking yourself why no one hates you. Um, okay. Anyways. And so, so he says, brothers and sisters. And then he says, what? He speaks the truth. Give him some credit, Heidi. He says, do not do this wicked and abominable thing. So he calls their actions wicked and abominable, just like every court jester is allowed to critique the king to a certain extent because he's a court jester. So he gets access to the political leaders and the royal table. In order to sometimes make fun of them, but never pose enough of a threat to actually compromise their political regime and power grab. And then he says, here are my daughters. Yeah, that's right. Rape them instead. Rape them instead. Lot believed the truth. He sometimes spoke the truth, but he wasn't willing to lay down his life and die on the mat for the truth. Lot was saved, but he wasn't salty. So his wife becomes in death what he should have been in life, a pillar of salt. Brothers and sisters, you can be saved, but not salty. You can make it into the kingdom by the hair on your bum, and you'll be getting singed on the way in, saying, well, that was a close one, Lord. But what's going to be your story at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Let me tell you what Lot's story is at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, I gave my daughters to be raped by a mob. And God forgave me. Um, But what's going to be the story of Heidi St. John, of Jay St. John, of Eric Metaxas, of Charlie Kirk, of Rob McCoy, of Jack Hibbs, of the Pregnancy Resource Center directors, of Victor Marks, of Joshua Broom, of the sidewalk counselors who stand outside of pregnancy centers who, who no one knows. And for decades, they've gotten sunburned pleading for the life of children and saving babies. They're not Russell Moore. They're not Ed Stetzer, Stephen Furtick, and Tim Keller, but their reward will be great in heaven one day. Their testimony at the marriage supper of the Lamb will simply be, look what God did because I stood, because I was obedient. We are at a breaking point in this culture of death. The church has two options. They can pick the way of Lot, which is the road we've been going down for a long time, or they can pick the path of Gideon. I'm convinced as we get closer to this Rubicon line, Heidi, that the church and the blood-bought bride of Christ has two options, Gideon or Lot. Because like Lot, Gideon was also facing his same culture war. He was facing his same political warfare. But the way Gideon chose to live is the testimony of how the church should be living today. In Judges 6, when the Israelites are being oppressed by the Midianites, Right, because the Midianites would come and take all that they made. So the Israelites would thresh their wheat and the Midianites would come take it. So it was Bernie Sanders' democratic socialism. Um, well, I've been told that democratic socialism is better than regular, so I don't know how that works, but apparently it is. And,
0: and, well, it's because you, you voted in. It's because you voted Yeah, in.
1: that's right. You voted in. And, and then uh, what happens in yeah. Judges 6? God comes to Gideon in Judges 6, and Gideon's hiding out in a cave, Heidi. He's hiding out in a cave like a little pansy, threshing his own wheat because he doesn't want to be oppressed by the Midianites. So he's a tax evader, naughty, naughty Gideon. And God comes to Gideon and he says, Mighty man of valor. And he reminds him of his identity. And then in that same conversation, Gideon, God, uh, go read it, guys, Judges 6. Gideon uh, cooks uh, a meal for God. God lights it on fire. And Gideon freaks out. He's like, Okay, you're God. I'm sorry. And then it says that same night, literally after he, God lights the meal on fire, it says, and that same night, God said to Gideon, you walk out of this cave and you go tear down the Asherah poles and the Baal statues. Then we'll talk. Now, listen, if you're Gideon, what are you thinking, Heidi? Church listeners, what are you thinking? I'd be like, where have you been, God? Where have you been? Our grandpapas told us that you were the God that brought us up out of Egypt. That you would deliver us from the hand of the oppressor. That we were your special people. Where's the milk and honey, God? Where's the milk and honey? This sucks. Everything we make gets taken by the Midianites. We're living under oppression. And I thought you were taking us to the land flowing of milk and honey in the promised land. You've abandoned us. Where have you been? That's what I'd be thinking if I was getting. Oh, now you're back, God. Now you're back. So I'm thinking it's theocracy time, baby. It's time to bring back the theocracy. So what's the game plan, God? Are we going to make some Midianites heads roll? Come on, baby. No. What does God start with? What is his high kingdom priority? The second he comes to Gideon and Judges 6, stop killing the babies. That's his high kingdom priority. Asherah, goddess of sex. Well, how did they worship Asherah, Heidi? Orgies. Orgies is how they worshiped Asherah. Baal, baby sacrifice. Oh, who are the two pagan gods of our culture today? Sex and child sacrifice, Asherah or Baal. God chose to start with the Israelites' abortions, Heidi, before he started with anything else. That is his high kingdom priority. And if we can't get that right, we will be living through Psalm 106 again. When God says, you've given your sons and daughters to demons, the land is desecrated with blood. And so I give you over, I give you over to be ruled by those who hate you, to be ruled by those who hate you. We're living through Psalm 106 again, because we cannot seem to figure out our father's high kingdom priorities.
0: Mm. Well, the reason I like having you on here is because I don't need to talk at all. (laughs) (laughs) You can can carry the whole thing. I love your passion. And the, the reality is we've been going down this road now for a very long time. The Bible's very clear, when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice, when the wicked are in power, the people groan. We have a groan. responsibility. So much groaning happening in uh, in the United States right now. And we mm. see that the pro-abortion industry, now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned in the Supreme Court, have been emboldened, right? And so we're they're not even hiding the agenda anymore. They're not they're not hiding that they love the death of the unborn and that they don't see it as rare and they don't see it as a yeah. as something that only happens every once in a while they're inviting the judgment of god on into this nation and the question you and i have been asking for a very long time is where's the church where is the right. church where are the people of god mm. when will this incense god's people the way that it incenses god mm. you know if it breaks mm. the heart of god it should break the heart of god's people and you brought up some interesting names wow. earlier and i kind of want to get back to it not to do too much name dropping but we've talked, you and I, before. More name-dropping,
1: please. More name-dropping. Name dropping.
0: We've, we've talked quite a bit about people who have been uh, ascended to positions of influence within Christianity, who then yeah. uh, just toe the line. They hide behind their 501c3s. You've heard me say, I believe that the C in the 501c3 stands for coward. That's what I said to, uh, to, to Jack Hibbs last time I was on his show, you wow. know when i talk to pastors and they're unwilling to talk about abortion or the transgender uh, movement and what it is doing to our yep. children irreparable harm is happening yep. to our children the church should be at the front of this thing and not at the back of it and yet we've got wow. people like andy stanley who are uh, who have huge audiences i mean let's talk yep. about andy stanley for a second because there are people that listen to my show are like what andy's a nice guy you know, Andy's just trying to be, Andy's just trying to get the gospel to as many people as he can. And yet what I see of Andy Stanley is that he has abandoned entirely the agenda of God and replaced it with his own.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, so the son of of the famous Charles Stanley, of course, for everyone listening. Um, And Andy Stanley was in hot water, Heidi, back in like if I'm remembering, it was like right when Olivia and I got married. So this was like back in 2016. It might've been the year before 2015. This was the first time that he said we need to unhitch ourselves from the old Testament. Um, Mm -hmm. he's been saying that ever since, but if you actually want to know the first time he said that, like my point is this, like Andy Stanley's, um, lack of spiritual orthodox clarity is actually nothing new mm-hmm. um it was almost like nearly eight nine years ago he was saying we need to unhitch ourselves from the old testament and then recently speaking at a seminary in a viral clip that i watched and everyone follow of course woke preacher clips go follow woke preacher clips um but or protestia or reformation charlotte follow any of these groups that are I, I think are like actually like they're the ezekiel watchmen for what votie bacham called the fault lines but anyways and he's saying to the seminary uh like you guys need to stop preaching from the old Testament and the law, What you need to do is you need to just preach about the resurrection. This this is literally what he said. I'm not like embellishing or I'm not speaking hyperbolically. He said, stop talking about the law and the old Testament and talk about the fact of the resurrection. Uh, As if you can separate that from salvation history, right? As as if the resurrection um, means anything. If you don't understand why he came, that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So maybe you need to understand the law. Like, like, Yo, this was stuff I knew at like nine years old being homeschooled, like Andy mm. Stanley, what the heck's wrong with you? Um, but it, it actually goes deeper and more wicked than that. More recently, he's been platforming um, out and out homosexually married people who call themselves Christians at conferences that he's helping host and platform them at. So, so that's the most recent thing that's got everyone like, "What happened to Andy family?" And the mm-hmm. answer is like, actually, it goes back some time uh, and yeah. so so I'll say this um unless unless the church flatulent becomes the church militant, it will become the church irrelevant um and we are we are living through that right now. We got the script all wrong heidi um the, our our theological betters. In what I call Big Eva, okay, Big Eva. If you've ever heard of Big Pharma, well, there's also Big Eva, guys. Big <laughs> Evangelicalism, okay. Um, those in Big Eva. So, think Gospel Coalition, Tim Keller's brainchild. Think Christianity Today, now now run by Russell Moore. We were told by our theological betters that the way to accrue cultural capital to put the gospel on blast and reach more people for the cause of Christ was to abdicate and be silent on some of the issues that the culture defined as political. So abortion, transgenderism, gay marriage, um, the, the kooky, weird sex ed in the schools, that these were examples of things that like senior pastors shouldn't touch on from the pulpit because it would ostracize the guest attending that Sunday. Right. Or the non-believer who's starting to find a place he calls home at his local church, because maybe he has not yet, um, been sanctified um, to um, change how he thinks about these issues, right? Uh, to be renewed by the, by, been changed by the renewing of your mind. And so if you, if you put that up there as what the church is about, then you'll actually compromise your gospel message to those who aren't yet ready for meat, but are still on milk. Does any of this make sense? Like this was what we were sold as the the strategical approach to the culture and evangelism by our theological betters. But we got the script all wrong. By our silence on these issues, we were actually compromising our gospel credibility to a broken world. What do I mean by this? Um, I know pagans, atheists and secularists— who are pro-life activists. They actually do more to contend for the life of babies in the womb than most pastors that I know. Not all, but most than most pastors in America. But they're not believers, and they think Christianity is a myth. Heidi, mean. And so, so guess what some of these like pagan, progressive pro-lifers have said? Um, I have no respect for the gospel that Christians want to preach to me. Um, I don't want to hear anything Uh, About your Jesus and your gospel, because I thought Christian, hey, you're the Christian. I'm not. I'm the atheist. I thought Christian that that your savior entered human history in a uterus to redeem mankind from their sins. I thought that you believed in in the imago dei that human beings were created in the image of God, and I thought that your 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 savior, the second member of the Trinity, was fully God and fully human. From the moment of conception that he actually chose to identify with you from your most vulnerable stage, the prenatal stage, and then let himself be murdered. I thought human beings were distinct from animals because they bear the image of God. I thought John the Baptist leaped in the womb And the Greek word for baby unborn John the Baptist is berephos, but the Greek word for infant born Jesus is also berephos. When it says Mary laid baby Jesus in the manger, it's berephos. So the same Greek word is used to refer to unborn babies as is used to refer to born babies in the New Testament, because God sees no distinction in value and dignity and the right to life between babies in the womb and babies outside the womb. And if you can't preach against what should be Satan's pride and joy, then I don't want to hear the gospel you have to preach to me. My point is this, there are many pagans who have no respect for the church of Christ and yet they're pro-life or yet they lean conservative, but they have no respect for the church and his her gospel mission because we don't even take child sacrifice seriously. The very issues we were told to avoid preaching on to accrue cultural capital to put the gospel on blast were the very issues that we should have been dealing with first in order to advance our cultural capital and incense people to listen to the gospel. Because if we can't start with our father's high kingdom business, like in Judges 6, we'll lose the clarity on everything else our father cares about. And so Andy Stanley is just sort of a stand-in and a representation, Heidi, of this false lie we were told by Big Eva, by the Tim Kellers, by the Russell Moores, by the Ed Stetzers, by the Stephen Furtick's. Uh, The list goes on and on and on. And and, and these men, if you've noticed, their churches have become a joke. Their churches have become a joke. Because unless the church flatulent becomes the church militant, it will become the church irrelevant. And so Brian Broderson, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, 20,000 people a week is now like 700 people a week. Andy Stanley shut down his church for like a year. Rick Warren, their new senior pastors, dress up as Woody and Bo Peep from Toy Story and announce from the stage of Saddleback Church that they're doing a preaching sermon series on the gospel themes in Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, these churches have become a joke because things happen gradually then suddenly. And the and to quote Tommy Lassels from the show The Crown, it's in the small things that the rot grows. Do the wrong thing once, it becomes easier to do it again. And this is Satan's favorite strategy, Heidi, is to keep Christians in the position of feeling all the right things, maybe even shedding a tear once in a while over the culture of death, but never walking out of our cave and start tearing down the high places in America.
0: Well, what do you say? I mean, there are a lot of people, Seth, that are listening to this who are going to say, wow, that guy, I mean, he's 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 over the top. You're talking about you're talking about the church being militant. You're talking about, uh, you know, you're talking about these people who have huge platforms with a fair degree of dripping sarcasm. And you and I both know that that abortion, that what's happening to our unborn is no laughing matter to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. One day this nation is going to be judged very harshly because we did not speak to those up for those who are being taken away to death. So I have two questions for you. Uh, First of all, I really want to know what you mean about a militant church because I think it could be, I think it can be misunderstood, right? That's my first question. The second question uh, is that, for the for people who are listening in the wake of the overturning of Roe v Wade it doesn't mean that abortion is illegal in this country and the church can just go back to sleep
1: uh, it right. means
0: that we now have the opportunity to revive the conversation and it should be in the local body right the the church should be at the front of this thing and not behind it but i'm curious to know i want you to address the issue of a militant church for just a minute and i also want you to address mm-hmm. the issue of what what is it that we are called to do so the ordinary person the dad who's yeah. on his way home from work right now who's listening to you and he's just like i i i even it just feels so big to me i, I always i always vote pro life i've gone down to my pregnancy centers and i've stood there you know I, yeah. I do it twice a year whatever i give what else should i do i mean i got a couple of thoughts on it but i really like to know yours
1: yeah yeah, thanks, Eddie, um, and thanks for for letting me uh, yeah be my Elijah sarcastic self on your podcast. Yeah, by the church militant, friends, I, I don't mean uh, militarily. Okay, I don't mean uh, you need to take up arms and tell people to confess or you're going to shoot them in the head. Of course, that's 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 asinine. That's not what I mean whatsoever. Uh, by the church militant, I mean that the, the Christians on earth who are engaged in a continuous war against the forces of darkness and the enemies of Christ. That means preaching the gospel, that means calling them to repentance. But it also means engaging in our self governing republic, um, wherein we, the people, are the sovereign. Um, it, it means to exercise dominion. Oh, Seth admitted it. Seth admitted it on the Heidi St. John podcast. He's a dominionist. He's a Christian nationalist, which literally has like Russell Moore, like urinating and writing every other book on this this threat of Christian nationalism. If you think the threat in America right now is Christian nationalism, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Um, who, who's arresting pro-life sidewalk counselors? Who's labeling parents who speak at school board meetings? And That'd maybe the used Biden administration
0: uh, cra- yeah, for 500, maybe, maybe, Seth. Th-
1: Maybe they use the word crap and so and so Merrick Garland called them domestic terrorists. Um, who's about to throw five pro life sidewalk counselors who engaged in civil disobedience in and prison. they entered an abortion center? And yes, they trespassed, they did trespass, but they were peaceful, uh, and they're about to go to prison for maybe eleven years. But if you burnt down a police station and a courthouse and you were wearing a BLM shirt or you, were, that was or you fine. were flipping your or you were flipping your penis around outside a Greenwich Village fountain in New York City where where Margaret Sanger got her beginning and you were dancing naked in front of children and you were waving a flag, a pride flag, then the police looked on and they didn't do anything. But if you're Marcus Schroeder, the 19-year-old who I just met, who was preaching the gospel outside a family-friendly drag show in Wisconsin, with a little bit of amplification, then you're arrested in handcuffs by the police officers. Okay, who really thinks Christian nationalism is a threat? So so, so, what do I mean by exercising dominion? I mean to occupy until he comes. I, I mean that you should engage in every form of power you can accrue in a non-violent way to promote righteousness and withhold wickedness um, to the extent that you can, given our out-of-control culture. I mean, running for school board. I mean, asking God if God would have you run for political office. I mean, making sure that when the Bible says to pray for those who govern over you, you actually know the names of all the people in yes. seats of political power in your That's city, right. in your county, and in your state, so that you yeah. can pray for them because you can't pray for people whose names you don't know because you're not engaged in the political warfare. Um, I mean— showing up outside of abortion centers and peacefully praying for the life of the baby and offering help to the mom. I I mean um, starting a 501c4 as a sister ministry of your church so you can engage in political activism and help fundraise to get godly republicans like Heidi St. John who didn't who who didn't win unfortunately to bankroll the campaigns of people like Heidi St. John and others to get godly men and women elected. That's mm-hmm. what I mean by the church militant, but you have to be informed and you have to be educated. And so what can the layperson do who goes to their pregnancy center banquet once a year? Um, and they, maybe they do the baby bottle campaign at their church for the pregnancy center. And yeah, they vote pro-life, but beyond that, what can you do? I think we need to ask ourselves, in regard to the unborn child, do we really believe it's a life? Do we really believe that's a child? Do we believe the value's the same? Do we believe the dignity is the same? Do we believe that God sees no distinction in the value of a five-month unborn baby and the one-year-old and the two-year-old? Because if we believe that the value is the same and we believe it's a person and an image bearer of God, then I believe your grandchildren will judge you for your silence the same way that we judge American Christians during the 1850s who said they were opposed to slavery, but wouldn't lift a finger to stop it. I think your grandchildren will judge you and me and us to the same degree of ungraciousness. We often apply to German Christians who said they were opposed to killing Jews, but did not lift a finger to stop the killing of the Jews. Um, There is something called the power of normalization, Heidi and it's very dangerous. The power of normalization is that evil can become so ubiquitous that you become so accustomed to it. And the more accustomed you become to it, the more you make peace with that evil. It becomes a part of your cultural orthodoxy, and your heart is no longer broken to the extent that it should be, or that you claim your heart would be broken if you lived in 1850 and you found yourself tolerating slavery. Oh, I would have been a Harriet Tubman, Heidi. Me and Harriet Tubman, we would have been like this. I would have been underground railroading it so hard, you would have never met a cooler abolitionist than me. And we tell this about ourselves, don't we? What does Robert, what does Robbie, what does Robbie George always say? What does Robert P. George always say? He says he always asks his law students at the beginning of a semester by raise of hands, How many of you would have been an abolitionist if you lived in 1850? (laughs) And Robbie George has said for decades that without fault, every student has raised their hand in every law course ever. Of course, because we all think we would be. But that's what C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. Chronological snobbery. We look down our noses at the Christians who allowed these evils, and yet we allow our own holocaust. We allow our own lynchings. They're called womb lynchings and they happen at the tune of a million a year in America. So this is why I founded the White Rose Resistance to educate the public, discredit the opposition, and inspire a movement in the American church to tear down the high places. We 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 do we're we're about to launch a a glorified Facebook group on steroids on a platform called Circle where when you join at the White Rose Resistance at $35 a month or more, you get access to courses, curriculum that's ever growing and ever being updated. Live calls with me once a month. Live calls with special guests. So we'll probably have Heidi and Rob and Charlie in the future. We'll have... Um, We'll have activism assets that you can get on your phone, activism boxes. We'll have regional leadership that trains you to engage in activism. And your are pro-abortion, deep blue state where the church is apathetic and silent. I'm building an organization to answer the question I get from believers on Sunday mornings, which is, Seth, what can I do? Mm-hmm. We're a digital media organization, but we're an activism organization that's based off of the story of Hans and Sophie Scholl, which I told Heidi on another episode, go listen to it. But it's Christian resistance church. That's the church militant. When we engage in resistance to put a smile on the face of our king, to love our neighbors and to hold back the forces of darkness before it's too late. So you guys can go to the live. You can go to my podcast, Unaborted with Seth Gruber. But listen, I'm just one of many voices, but you need to look yourself in the mirror, Christian, and say- What's going to be my story at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Am I going to be like a Lot or am I going to be like a Gideon?
0: Well, that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> Dude, Seth, you are a straight fire. You know, I think what a way to send people into the weekend and also to remember every single one of us has a role to play. And I've said this a million times and I'm going to say it again because it wraps up what you're saying we were born for this time in human history we were born in 2020 god has us here in 2023 we could have been born in the 1800s we could have been here a thousand years ago but we're here right now and we need to be asking father what do you want me to do how am i to engage in the culture for righteousness and to bring forth the peace and prosperity of the city in which i live we've been reading uh, here at the show out of jeremiah 29 where the prophet Good. is talking to a to a nation in captivity for their wickedness and their rebellion against God. Right. What does God say to do them in the midst of this captivity? He says, pray for the peace and the prosperity of the city in mm-hmm. which you live, because if it prospers, you prosper. And we should care about what's happening to our children. Wow. We should care about what's going on in the schools. It should matter to us. And in that regard, uh, Seth, you are leading the way in defense of the unborn. Absolutely. Uh, speaking up. On behalf of those who are being taken away to death. I think it's so its so easy for us because these atrocities happen in a place where we cannot see
1: mm,
0: and we right. cannot hear. And they happen in clinics where everything feels sanitized and far, uh, far away from us, right? If we saw little children being dismembered on street corners, there'd be public outrage. But because they're that's being right. dismembered in what should be the most sacred place and the safest place for a human mm. being on the face of the earth, we tend to just push it under the rug and ignore that this is happening, but it continues to happen. And God's people Mm. are the ones who are, who should be carrying the banner uh, of the unborn of God's heart for it. So Seth Gruber, you are, you are a prophet for this day and age. Mm. And I appreciate it. And some of my listeners are going to be like, I can't believe he said that word out loud, you know, but I, I, I believe, that there is a time for righteous indignation, and that time is now. If we're not incensed yep. by what's happening to our babies uh, in this That's culture, right. we're not inc- Because really, I mean, Seth, we didn't even touch on transgenderism, but That's it right. is our children. I mean, the devil is is he's got his foot already securely in the door, right? When it comes to abortion, yep. and now he's going for children that are already born, and he's going after them yep. in our schools, and uh, our children are it's being all, assaulted right now. And false God religion. Yeah.
1: It's all yeah. false religion. It's the same evil. I'll just end yeah. with this. Uh, for, for my critics who often say, I, I, need to, I need to check my tone. I need to be more winsome. I'll just say this. Has anyone else noticed that the Christian tone police, the Christian tone police who run around demanding that their brothers and sisters who are actively tearing down the high places maintain a gentle and nuanced spirit, almost never actually join them in tearing down the high places. It's true.
0: It's unfortunately, and, you're right.
1: And I'll leave you with a line from Abraham Kuyper for your friends as we go. In any successful attack on freedom, the state can only be an accomplice. Mm. The chief culprit is the citizen who forgets his duty, who wastes away his strength, in the sleep of sin and sensual pleasure, and so loses the power of his own initiative.
0: Wow, it's powerful stuff. Seth Gruber, where can people find you online one more time?
1: SethGruber.com and TheWhiteRose.life, my podcast Unaborted with Seth Gruber, where you get more than you'll ever need to be a pro-life ninja and a culture warrior. And um, the we're on Instagram, we're everywhere. And we're building a fastly growing pro-life resistance movement um, to solve these problems. So that's where you can find us. Um, but uh, hey, uh, why don't you just in- channel your inner Heidi St. John and get off the bench, y'all?
0: <laughs> I love it. Thank you for joining me and for taking the time right from your car. My goodness, we'll do it again. I appreciate you very much, Seth. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: See you, Heidi. Thanks. <laughs> Bye.
0: If you guys want more information on today's guest, head on over to com forward slash podcast. And I will scroll and I will... A link back to him in the show notes today. We want to encourage you, as we always do, get off the bench, get onto the battlefield. You were literally born for this time in human history. The question is, what are you going to do with the time God's given you? Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. I'll see you back here again after the weekend, right here at the intersection of faith and faith.